All right, so just to cover off on this, the final uh, ladder saw North on top, Bulldogs second, Sydney third, and of course Melbourne finished fourth. And just outside the top four, we had Adelaide finishing in fifth. So you referenced it a little bit there, Johnny, in terms of this was the old final eight system, a bit different to what we've got now, which I think everyone kind of agrees is a lot fairer in terms of advantaging the top four teams. So let's unpack this a bit because... Uh, <laughs> well, well, I'm sure you, most of the Dayton supporters listening to this remember sort of what happens next in terms of the final eight. But let's actually just explain the final system first, and then we can see what actually happens with it. Okay, so first of all, it's called the McIntyre final eight system. So I don't think it was around for that many years, maybe like three or four years. Do you remember specifically? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. About that, yeah. Yeah, I think it ran 94 to... 94 to 99, I reckon. So basically, first plays eighth, second plays seventh, third plays sixth, and fourth plays fifth. So on the face of it, that doesn't look too bad, but I guess it's what happens next where it starts to get a bit wobbly. So basically, after those four games are played, you have the two lowest rank losers being eliminated. So you're playing four games and only two teams are eliminated. So I think it would have been extremely rare for either first or second to lose, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, in this period. But basically, that means that uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth are basically guaranteed to have to play the next week of the finals, no matter what happens in the first week. So there's really not a lot of incentive for... Obviously, you want to win the game, but you're not actually benefiting a huge amount by actually winning that first final, unless you're finishing first and second, in which case all you have to do is beat one of the kind of also also rounds of the finals to get straight through to the prelim. It does seem a little unfair. Yeah, I was going to say, generally what, what used to happen is they'd schedule it in a way that um, either the first V8th or second V7th was the last game. So it meant that you know, there they weren't dead games in yeah, yeah, at the, at the end. Yeah. If you know, if you know what I mean. So, 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 um, but but uh, you know, one time it did happen in '94. Melbourne was seventh <laughs> and beat Carlton second. Yeah, no, so, so, so fond memories of that. But but yeah, you're right. It, it it was this. You'd go through this sort of weekend of of games, and you'd and if you were, if you were third v sixth, fourth v fifth, you'd. You know, you'd slog your guts out to win, but then at the end of the weekend, it didn't really matter. Mm. <laughs> the only things you kind of got out of it, I, I, and it wasn't even this wasn't even steadfast, but the things that you kind of got out of it is that you were would, um, you know, you, you might play it play at home if you if you'd won that wasn't necessarily the case mm. but you might the other thing is that well this is the other thing that was is kind of ridiculous is if if first and second win and in the case of this you know this this year um i won't give away too much but you you had um third playing sixth and fourth playing fifth um assuming third and and third wins and fourth wins um we switch around and the third team then to progress to the prelim final has to play the fifth team, which is a better team than the sixth team. The fourth team has to play the sixth team. So it was sort of this, yeah. it was this dance that, and it, look, it made no sense. I remember thinking about this as as a kid even, and, and it, it was, I know there's a lot of controversy over the new, what what is now the final eight system and, and that, that, that someone who thinks that they invented it and should have been credited with it. And I don't know, but to me that the, the final eight system as it is, uh, uh, I was, I remember as a, as a 13 year old going, wouldn't this be a better system? But it, it, like it's two years into the, the, this one we're talking about. So it wasn't like, you know, five years down the track, we had this eureka moment where, Oh, hang on, this is a better system. It was easy to work out a better system, but I think there was this sort of, sense that this might be a better way of doing it of maximizing um uh you know the, the way games and crowds do you think it's it's almost like a bit of a remnant of when there was a top six because this system seems to favor almost fifth and sixth as much as third and fourth and obviously big disadvantage for seventh and eighth so do you think maybe it's a little bit of a hangover from when it was a top six or you think that's just completely separate i reckon you're probably right yeah yeah because at the end of the top six, 
um, I'm just trying to think how 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 that finished, but but yeah, there, there's there's probably a bit of that of third third playing sixth, fourth playing fifth in the top six, and that and that um, you know first first played second. So yeah, I think I think you're probably right in that that was maybe a continuation to a degree of that and having those mid games being played and giving greater credence to first and second. That was my gripe with the McIntyre system, though, was just the grey areas. I mean, you could finish third and be a very good team, like Sydney were that year, uh, get a really good win in that first week, and nothing, uh, just you're playing again. Or you could finish sixth, like Carlton did in 99, get smashed by Brisbane in the first week, and all of a sudden you're playing again, and they run the table and go into the grand final. It was just so out of whack. And the other, the other, the other really... Uh, I mean, this, and this might be a good thing or might be a bad thing, but as we said before, the way it was scheduled, you didn't want to have dead games. So if you say you played first V8 and second V7 on Friday night and Saturday afternoon, third, third V6 and fourth V5 basically become pointless, well, not pointless games, but, but you don't actually get anything out of winning it. So the whole, the whole idea was that, that, that there would be a game at the finish which could change everything. So let's, you know, for the purposes of this, if if um, Western Bulldogs beat West Coast in the in the Sunday second v seventh game, now if if for some reason West Coast had have won that, um, then they wouldn't have been the lowest ranked loser, and one of the teams above would have been knocked out. So they had to watch that game and hope that the Bulldogs won. So they you know, say in, I think it would have been St Kilda who would have been knocked out. So th- there was an element of that, that that kind of played into the weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, whoever whoever came up with it, I think it's better I'm not to sure have, what... um, just to not be so dependent on the other games. I think it's just better if you, your team wins, your fate's in your own hands. Yeah, I think the final system we have now is a lot cleaner and it's a clear advantage to the top four. You play the whole year to try and finish the top four, you get the extra advantage. So... I'm definitely glad they changed it. But I guess, uh, yeah, let's see how it affected things in these games because uh, there's, there's got to be a reason we're talking about this, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> qualifying final. Melbourne earned the home qualifying final at the MCG against the Adelaide Crows, who had finished fifth. As we referenced earlier, all the games throughout the 1998 season where Neitz, Swartz, and Lyon had played, there'd been six of them. They'd all been wins thus far, and they're all playing in this game as well. So good omen for Melbourne going into it. And it was actually Jeff Farmer who weaved his wizardry early in the first quarter, putting three goals on McLeod, who at this point was already a Norm Smith medalist. He looked to be running rings around McLeod here. Just how good was Jeff Farmer? It seemed like there was nothing he really couldn't do, especially when he got in a certain mood. He was just unstoppable, unstoppable almost. Yes, that's very, very true. Uh, but the one thing I want to say about Andrew McLeod in this game, I remember watching the footy show the Thursday before, and he was being interviewed. I can't remember who he was with, but uh, my, one of the other Adelaide players, it was it was like a joint one. That, and, uh, you know, they'd asked him about Melbourne, and, you know, what do you think about Melbourne as a side? And he said, yeah, look, they've been pretty good this year, but uh, hopefully we'll go over there and thump them. <laughs> and that <laughs> turned out to be famous last words. And he was, he was a young guy. He was brash. I think that was the reason why, one of the big reasons why a lot of Victorians hated Adelaide, apart from just being South Australian. They were very brash and had a lot of swagger. Yeah. Yeah, well, Farmer showed him in that first quarter, but... <laughs> Last Shorty. laugh happens about a few weeks later for Andrew McLeod when he picks up Normie number two. <laughs> so it was really Melbourne setting the pace of the game with fast transition out of defence and through the middle. So they're running really hard, kicking it long into their dangerous forward line with plenty of dangerous targets, as we've been talking about. So even by half time, it seemed like they were pretty close to overwhelming Adelaide with their scoring power and took a 34-point lead into halftime. So this was also helped by Jeff White jumping over Sean Wren in the centre bounces to give Melbourne first use. He could actually smash it 20 or 30 metres forward with a big fist when he wanted to. And he was named best of field for this final. And the highlight came with the ball up at about the half-back line. And he got one of these patented smashes away where the ball went about 30 metres 
And it must have been a set play because Leon Shelley was all by himself running to collect and he managed to get all the way to about 50 before he set the shot on the route to goal and it went through. It's about the best ruck hit I've ever seen, I think, that one. <laughs> this was a smashing. Like, and, and of what's to come later in the year with Adelaide is, is this is the great conundrum for, I think, Melbourne supporters of, of this season that it, it wasn't as if uh, this was a game where we kind of led by a couple of goals and we blew it out at the end. That They actually brought brought the margin back a little bit in the last quarter. We, this is, you know, the game was... The game was over at quarter time almost. The scoreline probably flattered them, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we like like absolutely dominated this game, and that's I think that's the thing with Melbourne supporters about this game is the the the, the what if on this one is just. And I think watching when we probably sat down and watched the grand final a few weeks later <laughs> that we weren't in that that how. How the hell could this team that we had just dominated on this same ground just a couple of weeks before win a premiership? You know, because yeah. yeah, it was it was it was. But 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 again, that probably tells as much about the how well Melbourne were playing when their tails were up that year that they could do that to a, a, what ultimately is a premiership team. Yeah, it's it, it was yeah because at the end at the end of it all. This great finals win Melbourne over Adelaide by by forty eight points, it doesn't mean anything. No, <laughs> it may it means something to us because we enjoyed watching it. But there's not a progression to the next round because if we had a loss by forty eight points, we would have still played St Kilda. You know, we would have still played the next week against whoever, and um, and that that's the way it would have gone. Yeah, that's, that was my thoughts exactly. I just thought, yeah, deserved more after that win. I thought, yeah. I think I think the the one thing we get out of it is that as a as a winning team we play a losing team the next week, and that probably was the was the one reward for it all. Um, even though that losing team was another Melbourne based team, which might have been seen as a as a tougher tougher assignment if we were going to be playing at the G. So coming out of this ultra impressive performance, where as you guys are describing, Melbourne really did dominate the game, and I remember even though I was quite young, just seeing Melbourne open up the Crows, especially in that third quarter where they sort of seemed to completely break their backs. It was just an awesome feeling and there was so much joy in the crowd that day. Melbourne supporters were just so happy with what was happening. Like, I guess, as you guys are describing, like four years of not much and then to see your team, well, it'll be a six-game winning streak after this one, just playing so well. And it, it did actually look like anything was possible, even though, you know, they'd finished last year before... They were on a roll. Yeah. Now you dared to dream a little bit, that's for sure. And one thing that sort of happened that, that night as well, which kind of plays into the following week, is that St Kilda play Sydney in Sydney. And as we sort of mentioned before, St Kilda had this massive sort of collapse in the in the last part of the season where they'd gone from premiership favourite to you know, being you know, losing to the bottom team the week before. But they went to Sydney not favoured to win and almost almost get a victory. They sort of come from behind and almost snatch a victory against Sydney, which would have been a huge result for them. Um, but but at the same time, it probably then was a reminder that, hey, maybe St Kilda have got their mojo back because this is the team that's, that beat us by 80 points um, midway through the year. And if, um, if Shannon was watching that St Kilda-Sydney game the way I was, uh, he was very much hoping St Kilda would win and yeah. they came close. I think Nicky Winmar came close to kicking a winning goal and had St Kilda won that game, we could have sat back and watched uh, the Bulldogs and West Coast game and cheered on West Coast so we could possibly... Exactly, yeah. That, that's the, that's, and that's, that's the, the, the vagaries of this final eight system. And, well, I think there's two things I think that we probably were probably barracking for St Kilda for was, yes, the ability for us to maybe go to a prelim if, if um, West Coast beat the Bulldogs, but also... Uh, I believe that we would have that Sydney would have come to play Melbourne. I would have come to play us in Melbourne. I think the following week, if they had have lost, which which on the face of it might seem a bit difficult playing a third place team, but again, in the days of um, interstate travel still being a, a, th- a thing that mm-hmm. mattered, playing a Sydney team that we'd beaten a few weeks previously pretty easily in a, in a um, at, at the MCG 
to me probably seemed like a um a safer a safer ch- uh, result for us than than mm. having to take on yeah. St Kilda at the MCG. So what happened to St Kilda in the second half of the season? <laughs> like so obviously they made the grand final in 97 best form team and really if not for Darren Jarman they probably win that game and as you're describing they're having a great season top of the ladder. What happened? The wheels just completely seemed to fall off. So someone, someone, one day will will delve deep into that '98 season of St Kilda, but I think it was round 14 or 15 or something. Um, basically, the Bulldogs and St Kilda were were two games clear on the top of the ladder, and they played each other. Um, I think at Waverley, uh, and 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 it was seen as like this will this. You know, this is this is the grand final preview. This is what we've all been waiting for yeah. all season. It, I mean, people talk about that. Um, you know, what the '09 Geelong and St Kilda yeah. game, which was seen as the sort of the yeah. the, yeah. the game we were all waiting for. Well, that was that year. As that's the, probably the closest, almost the closest one I can think of. St Kilda win that game. They beat the Dogs. They're now like they're a game ahead of the they're what they're 11 and 11 and 3 bulldogs are 10 and 4 and 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 adelaide are 8 and 6 so there's they're, they're so far ahead of the ahead of the pack at this point which is probably a warning sign for us this year <laughs> this year but um but but then you know all hell breaks loose and, and the story of what actually happened is a whole other story that's probably not related to this but wonder what happened there um all we know is that stan elves you know, went had the premiership favourite team at round fifteen and isn't coaching the following year. I, th- I think there was a lot of off-field stuff happening late that year because the way that Stan Elves left, it just wasn't. Um, I don't know that there was a lot not being said about his exit and how it happened, and maybe that there was a bit of a revolt internally against him, and players have been complaining. But look, uh, yeah, it was it was really unprecedented. They were definitely the the side to beat middle of the year. Were their stars all still like within the right age bracket, or were they was there some getting a little bit towards the end there? Yeah, they, they pretty much had the same team as '97. I mean, they, they probably yeah. didn't have quite by the second half of the year. They didn't quite have the same sort of I don't know pizzazz as what they freshness they'd having they'd had in '97 uh, in, in a way. But but they still had. I mean, Harvey Harvey won the Brownlow, so you know yep. he had a good year. Um, the, the Burke. Burke and Lowe were around. I mean, Everett was yeah, still uh, with yeah, Mardo. He was probably coming Everett towards the back. end of it. Everett was back. Um, you know, the, there was they, they had the same team. I think I think there's probably some guys that were not quite the players they'd been in '97 when they sort of kind of took a lot of a lot of people by surprise. I'm thinking of blokes like like Jason Heatley had this great year in '97 yes. and was one of the leading goal kicks in the league, and that it, it didn't you know didn't work for him the same way in '98. Um, probably some guys like you know Aussie Jones was just a superstar in '97, not didn't have the same impact in '98, and you know those sort of things. But yeah, it's a great mystery that probably one for St Kilda supporters to delve into who who might know more about it. I think um, yeah, looking. I remember looking at Nicky Winmar that year. It was his last year at the club before having that ill-fated stint at the Bulldogs. But um, he was having a really bad year mentally. I think just I think he just lost his father maybe at the end of '97, and he was just an angry man that year. He was he had demons and yeah, he wasn't. I don't think he was interested in playing to be honest at that time. And yeah, I think I've heard him say things like that, but. There were all sorts of things happening, I think, with that club at that time. Bit unfortunate. But anyway, let's get into the semi-final. So, yes, it was against St Kilda, again at the MCG. And uh, Gary Lyon was a withdrawal with a calf injury. So, a little bit of a worry. But uh, hopefully Melbourne could cover that loss there. So, after a pretty inaccurate first quarter, Melbourne got things going with a five-goal second quarter, and it was enough to give them a 17-point halftime lead. And it was Farmer being influential, as per usual. And uh, it seemed like Melbourne had the answers for St Kilda in this first half. It was uh, Shanahan and Rigoni as well, keeping Stewie Lowe and Robert Harvey relatively quiet. So it really allowed Melbourne to play the game on their terms. 
and with six final quarter goals, they drove the knife in further to inflict a 51-point belting on the Saints. So, looking back at this, you guys probably can tell me better than what I had a look at here, but it really didn't seem like there was a lot of danger for Melbourne in this game. They looked to be uh, clearly the better team, and you know they had the run, they had the forward targets. Just didn't really look like St Kilda could hurt Melbourne that much. No, and um, there was a lot of inaccuracy early from both sides. I remember that. Um, they St Kilda got something happening towards the end of the. Uh, well, I guess, yeah, towards the end of the first quarter, and that was kind of it from there, really. I mean, we just, yeah, Farmer turned it on, and the only other thing I can really remember from the second half was Barry Hall going crazy and just uh, laying out, oh, I can't even remember, was it Hopgood? I can't even remember who he, who he hit, but he got the four-game suspension for it. Um, he got a few. I, I, I... <laughs> he did, he actually, yeah, he, he nailed a few guys at day. But, uh, yeah, look, it was... It was a win and it was, yeah, we were into the prelim. One of the things I reckon during that period with Melbourne is there was always a bit of a, a bit of a knock, well, not a knock, a bit of a worry that in wet conditions we weren't as good a side because we were sort of a, a running team and we we probably weren't known as a as a, a hard team and more of a running team. And also we had these, we had the sort of the spectacular forward line, which was, go, was sort of seen to be, um, less might be less effective in in wet conditions, and it was it was wet conditions that day. And um, St Kilda started pretty well, and you know they're up at quarter time, but that kind of gets flipped because Farmer has that huge second quarter, um, and you know despite the fact it's it's wet, he's he's thriving, and and you know the spirit's almost broken of St Kilda by half time. But you talk about the I think a lot of people would remember the Barry Hall incident and. Um, he he whacked, I think he whacked Uze and he and there's another <laughs> one of the Phoebe's maybe? Yeah, well I'll tell you a little story. Sorry to be a bit self indulgent. But um no, some years later, uh well many years later actually, I, I a mate of mine had his thirtieth birthday at a at a bar in Richmond and um we were and just because, well, we're a bit stupid. He he as <laughs> a bit of a piss take really he had he brought along the dvd of biff's bumps and brawlers and had that on had that on a screen running all night while he i think he had a dj playing in the uh, as well but we had so we had biff's bumps and brawlers going on in this bar and uh and anyway we're out we're out but, but he had a back bar of of this for this night and we went into the 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 main area and who should be there but Stephen phoebe and um Anyway, he was a guy that you sort of sometimes saw around nightclubs around that time. Yeah. Uh, anyone who anyone who went to any nightclubs in the in the two thousands, I'm sure would have run into Steve Phoebe a few times. Yeah, anyway, anyway, he he, he he we sort of knew he knew his face and said, so "Oh, do you want to come and have a beer?" So he, him and a couple of his mates who were, who were about to go to a pseudo echo concert. Um, Pseudo Echo were re- reforming at the corner hotel across the road, and they said, "Oh, we're going to we're going to see Pseudo Echo later." Oh, fantastic! Uh, and and um, anyway, Steve Phoebe comes into the back bar, and Biff Bumps and Brawlers DVD is on, and they're watching it with us, and we're all watching it. Going, oh, and then Barry Hall comes up, and he's like, "Oh, watch this! He belts me here," and and. and <laughs> It was the Barry Hall belting Steve Steve Phoebe as part of that. So that was a good little moment of, of us and a couple of them, my mates reflect on the fact and, and will be a lasting memory of that game. Apart from loving that game and watching it, watching it as we sold the footy records during the day and then raced up to watch it from the top tier of um, of the Northern Stand, I think. And... Uh, and uh, Great day and Farmer at his at his best, but to also remember the Barry Hall going mad and later on watching uh, watching it with Steve Phoebe as he took us took us through the oh watch this this is where he belts me. <laughs> Must have been the wild years for Barry Hall. Obviously, he did struggle with that throughout his career, but I feel like he got a little bit better at controlling yeah, at times. Over the years, <laughs> he had his moments still. Oh, he still. All right, so this all added up to a preliminary final berth for Melbourne. Who would they play? 
but North Melbourne, their nemesis team throughout this year, they'd already lost to North considerably earlier in the year. And uh, yeah, what was the feeling going into this game for you guys? Yeah, well, I think North was the last team that we'd lost to in round 17, maybe. And yeah, look, I, I think I might have this totally wrong, but I think that Jeff White was battling a corky going into this game. So he had to do the hyperbaric chamber and all that stuff. So it was a 50-50. Um, I, it was always going to be a tough challenge, but I just kind of had that feeling that, you know, it's whoever turns up on the day, they'll have a shot. And, uh, well, the night it was in that in, in that case. And, yeah, look, I definitely, I was hopeful. I was hopeful. Yeah, I, I, think, I think North were always seen, and really right through the 90s, North was the, was seen as the number one team for most of the nineties, and I think we, um, in our, in our heart of hearts, we knew that if North played at their best and we weren't, North played somewhere near their best and we played somewhere near our best. North probably were going to beat us, but if we had a a ripping game or played at our absolute absolute optimum, we could beat we could beat North. Um, so it was sort of going in like that. I, I think most from from my memory would su- suggest that most of the most of the tipsters would pick North Melbourne, um, and a lot of that based on the fact that they'd beaten us quite easily the last time we'd played, and that was sort of a, a a real marker of those sort of things at the time. So I think we went along hopeful that we might see something, but there was all. I reckon there was always, there's also a bit of an element of this team has come from last in 97 to be in a prelim final in 98. And not saying this was a matter of the players, but I think as a supporter, um, as much as we wanted a premiership, I think there was this, there was a little bit of, well, wow, this has just been a huge effort to even get to a prelim after finishing last. Um, But Again, it's a it's a weird thing. Like the 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 way that final series worked is that you end up with second playing fifth in a prelim and first playing fourth in a prelim. Now, um, you know, the, they could have scheduled in a different way in that 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 first the highest rank winner play the the the, the lowest rank winner, so forth, and we, you know, we might have who knows. Adelaide might have played North Melbourne, and we might have played the Bulldogs, and it might have been a completely different story. But um, I think this is a this is this is a game that uh, has more um, what ifs about it when we know what happens the next week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like there was optimism, but not a huge or hope, but maybe not a huge amount of optimism in terms of what could actually happen here. So I actually remember going to this game as well. And as was always the case, going to the footy with my dad, we were running late. <laughs> so by the time we got to the ground, um, they were handing out these like vouchers. So like these McDonald's vouchers. And it said, you know, if your team wins, you get a free Coke. We were, we must have been one of the last ones going into the ground. And the guy gave us about a hundred of them. And he saw that we were demon supporters, of course. So it said, you know, if Melbourne wins, you get a free coke. We had about a hundred of them, and I just remember <laughs> thinking about that through the game. I was still course, pretty young. I just wanted, I was obviously wanted Melbourne to win, but I also wanted my hundred <laughs> yeah, free cokes. Of course. Well, as a, as a footy record seller during that era when McDonald's used to do those promotions at the games, we'd have the McDonald's promo people um, often at the end at the. <laughs> When it got to the start of a game, would just hand us a stack of those cards. You got a hundred, I reckon. We got about five hundred one year, and 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 uh, it might have been the following year, but we we got them, and and it was it was like a, a free coke with a burger if so and so wins, or a free burger. But and and whatever the game result was, that the team that wasn't favoured to win had got up, so you got a burger and. Um, I won't say too much, but there was a. I went to school near a, a McDonald's, and um, those were distributed right throughout the school, <laughs> and they had to ban. They banned McDonald's. Banned the. We broke the system. McDonald's banned the um, the 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 vouchers because they just had um, 
lots of kids coming up with all of these cards uh, getting a free Big Mac and we probably were a bit silly about it but uh, a good memory of the <laughs> of that time <laughs> that's brilliant all right let's jump into the rundown so north had been the best team all year finished top of the ladder although maybe that flies in the face of what you guys were saying about <laughs> some Kilda and bulldogs but anyway north found a way to finish first and uh just referencing that earlier round 17 game it was actually a 64 65 point win to north with Kerry kicking eight goals Yes, reason for concern going into this one if Kerry had another good night. Very early in the game, it was Farmer who took another specky, this time on Mick Martin. Couldn't quite get the lift like he did off Lyon because Martin sort of collapsed in front of him, but it was another spectacular mark, and he went back and nailed the goal from memory as well. So it was a nice way to start for Melbourne, that's for sure. So in that first quarter, Melbourne had double as many scoring shots as North, could only manage three goals, and went into quarter time a point down. So I think I actually do remember a little bit of this quarter. It it was pretty excruciating watching Melbourne miss some of these good chances. And you knew that they had to actually make the most of the chances they were getting to compete with North. Yeah, they could have really, really, they could have put the pressure on North something shocking. They had some brilliant chances. Um, just back on, back on that round 17 game real quickly, there was a bit of fear going into this game because... Kerry was in just this... He was always in great form, but I think the last seven or eight weeks of that season, he was just floating on air. There was absolutely nothing he could do that that would not turn to gold. I mean, and he... Yeah, that was the main concern. But um, but the way it was unfolding early on, I definitely thought we could have, we could have built up a bit of a lead in that in the first quarter. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, that 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 was our chance. That three six, if that's if that's six three um, or whatever, we we go in with a with a nice little lead at quarter time, and and the way we were playing, yeah, confidence team, I think that could have could have really um, spurred us on. I think you know by that point, you know Lion was Lion was struggling. The body was failing Lion at that point. Um, Again, you're talking of a, of a Neitz who who hadn't played most of the year, even though he'd played, you know, kick some a, a bag against the Crows. So there was a little bit of that; those things catching up, I think, with the guys. Um, and um, yeah, but who knows? It's it is a what if that if if that had of if that was six three rather than three six, um, I, I I would have thought from that point on it was an even money bet as to you know it was it was a toss the coin who would win if if melbourne had gone into quarter time at two goals two goals up then um it, it's it could have gone either way whereas north melbourne in front sort of weathering the storm so to speak um and they just kind of built on it from there but you know, we we hung around and we still hung around even into the last quarter when we when things looked looked gone, we we got a couple of goals in a in a row to just give us a glimmer of hope. But it was kind of, I, I think, at the end of the night, we a lot of Melbourne supporters walked away going, "That's that's probably about where we're at right now." Um, it, there wasn't, I don't think there was this sort of absolute um, dismay or disappointment. I think it was seen as a good effort. But North Melbourne were the the at that point were the red hot premiership favourites. And um, the fact that we, you know, had stayed with them most of the night was seen as, well, we're, we're not far away. Yeah, and I think um, Jeff White really struggled that night because with the corky, I think he had about three kicks for the whole night. So it was a bit of a sad ending for the season for him. But there was no doubt about that. I felt the exact same. It was sad to lose. It would have been lovely to play off in a grand final, uh, especially at that age. But... Um, yeah, I felt like we would be back. I thought it was the the foundations had been built, and you know, it was a sign of things to come. Yeah, and look, even just sort of looking through, um, probably some of our the lesser lights in that team or the less experienced guys, just you know, they they didn't really have an impact when um, up against the the, or the the younger guys, the the, the more hardened um, North Melbourne team, which was you know, just simply more experienced. You know the that they had a lot of guys that were um, at the peak of their powers um, and we had 
probably in our in our midfield those sort of second second tier guys that were were not quite there yet and and um we also had a few guys that were probably on their last legs you know jim and gary and those sort of guys who were about to finish up so yeah disappointing and as i said before i think it at the when that happened um on that night i, I don't think there was sort of um uh, you know it was a shocking sort of dismay about what happened i think it was more what happened on grand final day uh, what happened the next day in the prelim and the grand final day that then turns this season into a what if for melbourne supporters yeah i agree absolutely Let's jump back into some of the specifics of this game. So as you guys were talking about there, Melbourne were able to hang around. So it looked like North was getting on top in the second quarter, but it was actually a 60-meter bomb from Neat that just managed to get through an unguarded goal to reduce the deficit to eight points going into halftime. So it's still a very close game at this point. And while Melbourne were brave in that second half, they just weren't quite good enough. And North's class across the whole field was really telling as they won all the quarters and extended their margin to a 30-point final siren lead. Another thing that really stood out here was the fact that Melbourne had 12 individual goal scorers. So none of their forwards could really uh, get their game going in any meaningful way. And Neats, Lyon and Swartz all played, but they were completely blanketed by North's defence and probably a combination of not being 100% fit, as you guys were talking about there. So it was actually Mick Martin doing the job on David Neat. And yeah, we were relying on midfield goals a lot of the game to just sort of scrounge and keep us in it. The forward line was not working on this night. Sorry, it was just an interesting night for it to, for the forward line not to function. Yeah, and, and North had a good defence. I mean, uh, without... Remembering the exact matchup, so obviously you said that Mick Martin, you know, was, you know, one of the best couple of fullbacks in the league through yeah. his career. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm just at a guess, I'd say McCartney might have played on on um, on Schwartz, but uh, but again, you know, McCartney was a was a pretty fair fair centre half back when he played at North. Uh, you probably had a guy like Archer who was running around, maybe playing on on Lyon. So they, you know that they had a they had three really solid backmen and 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 some great support staff um, around there. They had they had the ruck the ruck division that would that would neutralise or, or or perhaps dominate in this case um, on White. They had the you know McKernan at the time was the was probably what White was going to become, um, and McKernan was already there. And you know they had, even though Kerry doesn't have a huge game, um, they had Kerry at full forward, and I and I think they probably had a better midfield than us. Though we were we were really relying on our forwards had to have a have a night out, and that was going to be our best bet. But they did have a solid defence, and that that was um, you know what what won them the game that night. They also had Byron Pickett in his first year, and he was I think the rising star. It was very very like bruising back line that one and yeah very hard to play against i guess a lot of people say that north melbourne were the team of the 90s and maybe the fact that you know they got the two premierships maybe break even or maybe just unders for how good a team they were through this period so i'll just rattle off some of these names and you guys have already mentioned some of them but they had such a good team and obviously very well coached by dennis pagan as well they had Carey, glenn archer peter bell Adam Simpson, Shannon Grant, Corey McKernan, Byron Pickett, Anthony Stevens, David King, and a young Brent Harvey, and plenty of others as well. So they were hard to match up on, and they're a hard team to beat. Yeah, yeah, they they were. I would agree that they were the best and consistent, most best and consistent team of the nineties. Um, and all those, you know, I, I I don't think you get any arguments that the as as uh, particularly for Melbourne midfield. As as um, honest as they were, there's not many of the Melbourne midfield that could sort of sit in amongst that lot. You know, I'd say Todd Todd Viney sort of sits in there, and and uh, and a couple others that might sit on the periphery of that. But I don't think there's many that that are in that upper echelon that that what like what North had. 
All right. Well, we've kind of run aground in terms of what Melbourne was doing in 98, but you've said this a couple of times, Shannon, in terms of the story doesn't quite end there. So let's actually just (laughs) round off what actually happens in 98. So in the other preliminary final... This one, the Crows absolutely annihilated them from... Yeah, they... From yeah, from the from the word go, the crows um, the crows had them, and that was that. But that was again shockingly surprising for a lot of a lot of people watching that because there was a sense, okay, well the dogs will get their revenge finally on on what happened last year. But um, Adelaide just blitzed them from the word go. <laughs> yes, and Andrew McLeod, uh, he we were talking about him before he. Absolutely ran riot with seven goals that day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Tony Liberatore went to him, couldn't keep up with him. Uh, he was hot. Andrew McLeod kicked seven, Matthew Robin six. It was... Um, oh, yeah. That's right, yes. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly losing to North doesn't look so bad. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so... Well, you, you're, right, you're right, Daniel, in saying that. I was just going to say, you're right in saying that. There, I reckon there was a, a bit of a, a thought amongst Melbourne supporters after that happened that, well, geez, we didn't we didn't lose by that much, and and we beat Adelaide, so we felt as if, oh, you know, we're not far away from this. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens the following week. <laughs> so of course, it sets up the grand final between North Melbourne and Adelaide. North Melbourne strong favourites, despite the fact that Adelaide were the reigning premiers. And for all the world, North Melbourne looked like the better side in the first half, but they blew a whole bunch of uh, chances for goal. So they really could have been... They could have put Adelaide away in that first half. I can't remember exactly how much they were up by. It wasn't a whole lot, but as often happens in AFL games, the game can flip in the second half, and Adelaide came out completely transformed team and just well, ran over the top of North Melbourne, put them to the sword completely. Yeah, North, I guess, had just kicked themselves out of it and Adelaide took their chance. So at halftime, uh, North was 6-15 and Adelaide 4-3. They were four goals up. Um, but four goals via two goals and 12, 12, 12 behinds. So yeah. they've, they've, they've had, um, what, 14 more scoring shots, which is bizarre. Um and then, yeah, the second half, as you said, it just completely turned on its head. And even, you know, it could have been more because Adelaide kicked a lot of points in the second half. Adelaide yeah. kicked 11-12. Um, but even even in the last quarter, because I think uh, Crows got in front by a few points at, at three-quarter time. It was still close. Yeah. yeah, so it was still up for grabs. And North was still seen as, well, it's still North. You know, all Kerry just needs to have five minutes yeah. here and, and North North win this. But um, North, uh, you know, Crows kick a heap of goals, but even North kicks seven seven behinds in that last quarter. <laughs> it's, it's a comfortable win for the Crows in the finish, which is just a bizarre game of footy. Yeah, and Darren Jarman was back with another five, just like he was the year before. So um, it pretty much went exactly to the script of the 97 grand final. Yeah, amazing, and I think that's it's only that when that happened is that, and now we look back, but but in the moment we look at it and go, well, hang on a second, you've got this team that's won a premiership, they've finished fifth on the ladder, they've been beaten by eight goals in their first final, but they've still won a premiership, and that you know that's not happened. They've not been they've not finished in the top four. It's I think it's it's the only time it's happened. It's probably that's the only time it will ever happen because yeah. because of the way the system is now. But I think we all then look back and go, Well hang on, if it was Melbourne playing Crows on that day, we'd just beaten them by eight goals. We we matched up on them fine and we would have done the same thing. It's a bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? When you beat the Premier by eight goals and you don't eliminate them. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Just one thing with all those points, though. Just wanted to circle back to that a little bit. It's amazing what kicking that many points can actually do to a team's psyche, especially I think in a grand final. Brings back memories of uh, 2008 Geelong Hawthorne, where Geelong kick all those points going into half time, where it looks like they could have put Hawthorne away, and 
you just can't give teams a second life in these grand finals, it seems. Mm. And yeah, it's it's really dangerous when you're not taking your chances in any game, mm. that, especially in a grand final where you're up against a team who can hit back, I suppose. Especially towards the end of a half or a quarter. Yeah, and spot on. We mentioned it for the, the prelim the week before that Melbourne didn't take the chances in the first quarter, but you know, the, the what North did the, the following week was was a lot worse. All right, so it seems like, uh, you know, 98 was obviously a fantastic season for Melbourne. Didn't quite manage to get to the grand final with, uh, you know, the quirks of the final eight and everything else that we've had a bit of a chat about. But to round this out, I've got a couple of true or false statements for us to work our way through and uh, just put the uh, final touches on uh, this conversation we're having here. So... Let's kick it off. Melbourne achieved, uh, sorry, Melbourne overachieved in the 1998 season after winning the Wooden Spoon in 1997. Go to you, Johnny. True or false? It's hard to say, but I'm going to say false. I think the list was definitely a lot better than what was on display in 96 and 97. Across the board, it was definitely a list worthy of a top four spot. We they had um, the discussion about the mix of the youth and the experience and all those mid-ranges. Uh, in the side I think it was definitely a list worthy of top six at very least yeah I'll go with um, not quite true (laughs) I can see why people would think (laughs) would think we overachieve but I think there there was an element of there were probably six or seven what ifs on our list going from 97 going into 98 that people probably didn't expect anything from, but we got a lot more from them. And I'm talking about Lyon, Schwartz, Tingay, probably primarily. And then there's two or three other guys who who um, went from just being virtual unknowns to, to very good players in 98. So I think, I think we surprised a lot of people, um, but, but that was off the back of a, a bunch of guys who we hadn't seen the best of for three or four years, really. Uh, being able to play a role and it, it yeah, probably plays into something we'll talk about later as well. <laughs> so the next one I've got here goes back, I guess, probably to 97 and before, but was Neil, well, I'll put it as a statement, Neil Baum was too nice to be an, a, the coach of an AFL club. True or false? Go to you, Shannon, for that one. <laughs> no, I'm going to say absolutely false. He wasn't too nice. I think his, his success... Um, his success in footy uh, afterwards um, shows shows that in that he's won premierships at three different clubs in, in, in as a as a administrator. Um, Neil Baum was uh, probably ahead of his time as a coach in a lot of ways, and there was a knock on him a lot of the time. Some when things weren't going well at Melbourne, that he wasn't um, hard enough on players, but essentially he was he was doing a lot of the things that coaches now do he was doing back then the problem was he had um basically five of his best 10 players um unavailable for for the most part of a a two or three year stint and um and not only that there was a a whole bunch of other guys that were in the next tier that were injured or, or or sort of for various reasons fell out of the out of the team um you know he just had nothing to work with you know we we, we were barely putting together a, a, a reserves team at certain points during that those those years so do you think he deserved to get the sack then based on what you're saying there or was it just time for a change uh look i th- i think i think um he w- he was unlucky with the cattle that he had and you know what had happened i think but but look, at the time that he got the sack, it was it was not a shock that he got the sack, because um, things had been going quite badly for a few years. Uh, um, I don't I don't think anyone really wanted him to get the sack because I think everyone liked him. But um, you know, whether this, the whether the, the question is whether we did the wrong thing by sacking him is a probably a whole other question. But um, I think to a degree that bringing in Danaher at that point there there did need to be a bit of a reset if anything maybe Baum was was um 
loyal to a few guys that were maybe past their best and he was still loyal to them um, as players, which is, I don't think it's necessarily a bad trait, but but it was probably a symbolic move that he went and and then that brought in a, a slightly harder edge and, and, and a change that Danaher brought in. And, and, and I think there were certain guys that flourished under Danaher because of that. All right, next one. Peter Matera would have been just what Melbourne needed in 1998. True or false, Johnny? Well, that's another what if, isn't it? I think he definitely would have been one of the few players that would have strengthened us even further. And, you know, could it have put us over the top? <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, I, I think to add that class on another wing or halfback, he would have played probably. Um, yeah, it, it might, may have been very... Very beneficial. But look, we did have Stinger playing well. And, um, you know, Adam Uze was coming up as a nice halfback flanker sort of through the midfield occasionally. It may not have been necessary, but, yeah, look, I think it it wouldn't have hurt. Yeah, I reckon Tingay was kind of the, our poor man's Matera in that second bit of the, the yeah. season. So there was that. that uh, look, would have loved to have Matera. And, and, yeah, if we look at that North Melbourne game... You know, Matera running through the midfield might have been that just that brilliance of spark that might have might have lifted things. The the but the thing is, we wouldn't have we wouldn't if we had have got Matera we Matera we wouldn't have got Shanahan. Now, does that change the dynamics of you know? I would always rate Matera a much better player than Jamie Shanahan, but um, we we did need someone to hold down fullback, and and Shanahan did that job during '98. At the very least, um, and he, look, he got beaten a few times, but was generally pr- pretty solid during that season. Sorry, Dan, can, can I just go back to the Neil Barm one for a second? Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would have also said false, just because yeah, the way he played as a player in the seventies for Richmond, he was not afraid to serve out punishment. I don't think he was ever too nice, but I, I agree with Shannon. I think it, the the criticism of Baum was that he was probably seen as maybe too much one of the boys, and a lot of the senior players like Gary Lyon, they you know they all loved him, which was great. Might have been a sentiment to his man management skill, but I think that was the the view that maybe he was just it was a bit of a boys club happening. Um, I I still don't like. I think it was time for a change, but I, I will never agree with the way that he was sacked. I think that was absolutely terrible, and um, yeah, he sort of got hung out to dry a bit by the president at the time. So. Yeah, it was sad, but um, he was probably ahead of his time, as Shannon said before. Yeah, he was doing a lot right, but uh, like you guys are sort of saying, he just didn't probably get a fair run at it, but he's been very successful in other football roles afterwards, so perhaps he's found his calling there. All right, last true or false statement here. It's a bit of a doozy. The 98 season was Melbourne's best chance to win a premiership in the AFL era between 1990 and 2020. True or false, Shannon? <laughs> It's a really hard one. Um, if you look at it on the on the raw results, that I'd say no false. Two thousand was our best chance to win a premiership because we made the grand final. Um, I think the two thousand team uh, played probably played a little bit better than the ninety eight team um, at different points and was playing better to get there. But the two thousand team had to come up against Essendon, who were you know potentially the best you know, have claims to being the best single season team ever um i think 90 if let's not go to I, I think that the later 2000 teams were were um were honest um tries that that did some good stuff at times but were were always a a, a bit short of being a, a great team uh, and then prior to that, you know, '94 was a different year again. '90, if was was a was a possible year that we could have snuck in. But on retrospect, I, I think there is some truth to this '98, um, this idea that '98 was our best season, best chance to win a premiership. Because if we had have got over North Melbourne, um, it would have been Adelaide, and we would have come up against an Adelaide team that we had beaten. I, I think I think we would have been a really red hot chance to beat Adelaide. So it was beating North Melbourne. We lost to North Melbourne by five goals. We weren't a million miles away. I don't think we were even in our wildest dreams in two thousand. Were we? Uh, were we a better than five goal side against Essendon in, 
around that time. I, I, look, I think Essendon was was a five goal better side than every team in the league, and I, uh, yeah. So I, I, I think there's some truth to that, but but let's hope that changes soon. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with Shannon there. I think that this was their best chance in that period to win a flag. And I just look at the list. I think that we spoke about it, the mix of the experience, the guys, the leaders we had in that team, uh, the talent we had. The 2000 team, and I loved the 2000 team, but I just think it was slightly more inexperienced. And guys like um, Cameron Bruce, Brad Green, they were fantastic, but it was their first year. And when it came to that day, uh, that last day in September against Essendon, they were... They were a tiny bit out of their depth for yeah for periods in that game, and I, I, there was probably the '98 team is the team that I would probably take into the trenches <laughs> yeah. into a battle. Yeah, um, and it, I just felt on that day in in, in 2000, uh, yeah, we we just got bullied and we got pushed around, and yeah, it was it was sad, but um, yeah, I think '98 was the one. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right in saying that '98. If, if you had to take a team with everyone playing at its best, I think 98 had more parts to it that were were really good. Um, of course, some players from 98 to 2000 became much better players. And, you know, yeah. like Jeff White, well, Woden, there's a lot of guys that progressed yeah, exactly. to become very good players in that period. Um, but, but I think if you could take that 98 team and have them all fit, and I'm talking about a fit Lion, a fit Schwartz, a fit Neitz and all those guys, that... Um, that's pretty compelling. Um, when you come up against any team, uh, I'm not saying that they would have they would have stood a chance against Essendon in 2000, but you know those those guys. You know, I, th- I think it's the it's the one where you go in retrospect. It is at the time we didn't think that. We just thought, wow, what a great effort to get to there from that point in time. But we but we didn't know that we weren't going to see Lion again, basically. We didn't know we weren't going to see Tingay again, and I think that Tingay is probably the forgotten guy of that period as well. That he was the he was that midfield um, line breaker with great skills that was was on track to be some a really really good player for Melbourne. Injuries thwarted him, but then he he has, sort of has this last gasp half year that we get something out of him, or we get something out of line that we probably didn't expect, and. Um, and yeah, you just never know. Who knows? Who knows if we had have just kicked straight in that first quarter, um, we we might be talking a very different story. Of course, if it's picked purely on talent, I choose the '94 season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, there's the similarities there, isn't it? Yeah. Just to throw a little wrinkle in here, I thought of this while you guys were just chatting there, and this might be a little bit too hypothetical for you guys, but. Imagine we're actually playing the final eight system that we have now in this season. So Melbourne then plays North Melbourne in the first week of the finals, the qualifying final. And it seemed like that first week of the finals, maybe Melbourne were a bit, uh, you know, their fitness with their better players was maybe a little bit better than they got to in this prelim. So maybe that game might have actually been a better chance for Melbourne to actually, you know, beat North and then go through on a path where they actually wouldn't have had to play them again yeah well well yeah well i look at it this way i'd rather have a crack at north in that in the first week of a of a final series with a double chance than in the prelim um because i think let let's say we we we're at our best and we beat north in the in our hypothetical fantasy 1998 re re um rerun we 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 win and we get into a prelim. Fantastic, or um, we we lose, but we would go the other way and end up playing um, the Bulldogs in in the uh, in the other prelim. Now I think we're we would have been a better chance to beat the Bulldogs in a in a in a prelim than North Melbourne because um, they weren't the Bulldogs weren't as good team, but they weren't they weren't North Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun to think about because I remember in 2000 the best part of beating Carlton in that qualifying final was the fact that we that we made them have to go and play Essendon mm. in the prelim instead of us. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely would have loved to have had the crack at North. I think in that first week, 
Um, uh, yeah, I think there would have been a little bit more of sort of an element of surprise. Anything could happen. Um, it's definitely fun to think about, though. Well, it's it's also fun to think about because look at it. Look at the bottom half. Um, Adelaide would have played Essendon. St Kilda would have played West Coast. Let's assume Adelaide and St Kilda win. We're on firm footing because we beat Adelaide and St Kilda <laughs> in the yeah. finals. No, so let's assume that even if we lost to North Melbourne, we would have we would have won the next week um, and knocked out either of those teams. Uh, and then then it, it it sort of changes up as to. Um, who we play and we would have played yeah we would have then then went and played the Bulldogs and you know one of the other teams would have would have played North uh, I think that would have been a better result for us um, not much to lose but a lot to gain yeah yeah I think yeah just that little brief departure we went down there it shows how much more of an advantage finishing fourth is in a in the current system compared to this McIntyre final eight so I guess uh it's pro- I'm sure there's other supporter groups that hate the McIntyre final eight, but I think Melbourne's probably pretty close to the top of that list. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, 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 unless there's a huge upset, which let's face it, seventh, seventh or eighth beating first or second would be a huge upset. Um, there's no difference between finishing third and sixth, really, other than uh, where, you, where you might play the game. All right, well, we've pretty much reached the end of uh, what I wanted to get through, so maybe I'll just throw to each of you guys one last time, give uh, maybe some final reflections on 98 and maybe where it looked like Melbourne was heading after this season. Maybe we'll go to you first, Johnny. Yeah, look, I thought we'd definitely be back in the finals the next year. Um, It was... Yeah, I I just... I thought, yeah, we're a fully-fledged finals team now and uh, we'll be... We'll be there regularly. Maybe not a flag favourite, but we'll be in the mix. Uh, and, yeah, I guess 99 was the first lesson that uh, footy doesn't totally work that way. Um, and we ended up with six wins. But, uh, yeah, it, I definitely had high hopes for the 99 season. Yeah, similar similar story. Um, I remember sort of early in, the, early in the season, I thought we were going all right. We... We beat Essendon um, to make us four and three, and I thought, no, we're just going along quietly here. We we might be, a, we you know, things things will open up for us, but um, it didn't get much better than that. It, <laughs> the losses the losses piled up. We and it, fell apart. Sorry, Shannon. Yeah. The moment it fell apart, I think, was the Friday night against Frio when Modra oh. kicked nine or something. That yeah. or ten maybe, and I just thought, yeah, no, that was like that was, it. that was season. Season is over now. Um, <laughs> we can forget yep. about we can forget about our dreams. I mean, look, some players like we lost. Like um, obviously, Lyon doesn't play anymore. Steins retires. Um, Tingay never really, you know, he plays the he plays a handful of games really from that point on. Uh, it's it's Viney's last run around um, that year. Uh, so so that wave of the the blending of the two teams that it was the last hurrah in 98 for for most of those guys um which you know no and no knock on the the other guys but there was a there was a pattern of behavior that we that that starts here that that those those teams were up and down they had the yo-yo they they've struggled to sustain it and that's more of a i think more of a depth thing than anything else it's not that they they went to sleep one year and and were were good the other year it was more the fact that we just didn't have the the depth and and um to cover injuries and so forth when they happen and that that was what led to the yo-yo um the yo-yo footy uh the footy that melbourne became known for from sort of 98 99 through to about 2003 4 99 was also a, a year full of distractions for the Melbourne Footy Club. I think uh, it was the first of the boardroom issues that Gutnick was having with um, was having with the with the with his board. Obviously, um, there was the salary cap saga. I think um, where we'd been found guilty of breaching the salary cap for about four seasons. I think to that point, it was there, yeah, it was just. It was just crisis every week, and it, it must have been a massive distraction. I think Jeff White started with the shin problem uh, and had interrupted preseason, and yeah, it just it, the odds were against us that year. I think. Yeah, and that that the salary cap stuff was was a huge thing. Um, in that, yeah, it was sort of 
volunteered that um, that we we'd mm. done the wrong thing and and um, it 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 caused issues. It was sort of the um, yeah. I, I think I think things weren't going well anyway. But but that that then um, that then become a a thing that engulfed the club. And when we weren't we didn't have that depth. I think things can um, can go can go awry. And, and you know I think Cameron Schwab finished up. Um, during yeah. that time, um, for, on the, on his first go as CEO of Melbourne, yeah, I think he went to Frio. After that. Yeah, and look, I, I think there's no question that, that that some of those guys that were rightly or wrongly implicated in that finished up at, during that that time as well, which was you know I don't think it was a a happy time that season, but it did no. bounce back in 2000. Yeah, I remember being a young Melbourne supporter at the time. It was always much better when it was an even year. Than an <laughs> Absolutely. Odd year. It seemed to sort of follow oh, yeah. that pattern. That so was it. It would make sense that 98 was a good season then. And I think we've... Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, getting to hear both of your perspectives on this season. I obviously didn't, uh, you know, get to experience it in the same way as you guys did. I was a fair bit younger at the time, I suppose, but it's been fantastic learning more about such a interesting period in Melbourne's history. And as we've discussed, they were pretty close to getting through to another grand final here. And uh, it was great fun to relive this. And hopefully, uh, you know, in the coming years, they'll have a few more chances to either get close to a grand final or hopefully get into one and actually win one. So some interesting times ahead as well. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, Shannon. It's been fantastic to have your insights and uh, yeah, just thoroughly enjoyed having you aboard and uh, all the best for your upcoming projects with the. Thanks so much, guys, for um, for inviting me in to have a chat about this. Uh, um, uh, I try to keep my Melbourne scarf kind of hidden on the, uh, the greatest season that was stuff that we do and keep it sort of <laughs> relatively bias-free, but... But if um, given a chance to to talk like a full Melbourne nuffy, I'm happy to do it. So so great to <laughs> great to let it out. Uh, thanks for coming. Thank you guys. It was awesome, and thanks to you as well, Johnny. You pleasure really showing the depth of your Melbourne <laughs> fandom here. <laughs> my, my Melbourne photographic memory. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to everyone listening out there as well. It's been great to get so many of you on board, and. Uh, Hopefully, you'll uh, continue to enjoy what we're doing week to week. But uh, yeah, if you do want to get in contact with us, uh, any topics we might want to cover on the regular show, the email is footytimemail at gmail.com. Until next time, enjoy the footy. And uh, I guess this was a Demons podcast, so go (laughs) Go Dees. Go Dees.